here's my thing. Like gun, def- gun, def- gun defenders will argue that guns don't kill people. And okay, you're absolutely correct. Guns don't kill people, but people kill people with guns. And, people with guns kill people easily. And as a society, we have proven time and time again that we're not responsible responsible enough for the responsibility of of having semi-automatic weapons. So you can say that the guns are not to blame it's the people but obviously as a society we're not ready for that we're not ready for that responsibility we're not mature enough for that you know it's well there are things we can do to ensure that people who are responsible gun owners can still get their guns yes we do acknowledge that there is a second amendment right to bear arms and we can debate what that entails, we can look at the history of the Second Amendment and recognize the fact that it actually wasn't drafted with personal self-defense in mind. It was about tyranny and overthrowing the government, which is really an outdated use of the Second Amendment because how are you going to stop the government today? But nonetheless, the Supreme Court has interpreted the Second Amendment to include personal self-defense, and they've invalidated bans on handguns that cities have tried to enact. You know, So we do have this constitutional right in place. Now, with that said, there are still ways to enact sensible legislation and regulation within that framework. I, and yeah, and I I don't think anyone um anyone seriously is is talking about banning all guns. That really hasn't been a serious um uh, idea that's been put forth. The big thing is right. about banning semi-automatics, which we had a ban on uh in the 90s. And like this is the sixth we're, we're we're in the sixth week of 2018 and this is the 18th school shooting. That's three a week. That's sick. So now, of course, mental health plays a role in this. And this is some of the, the things that I, were, I was talking about as, sure. as well as many others. But, you know, there's also the argument and this is propaganda put forth by the NRA, quite frankly, that. Gun regulations and gun legislation, gun laws in general, only serve to empower criminals because their argument is that criminals don't follow the law anyway, so you're only taking guns away from law-abiding citizens. Now, that's complete nonsense, and I want to make it my mission to expose that as fraudulent. Right. And like I said, we, we just don't seem to have the maturity as a society yet to have these types of guns floating around without something like this happening as a regular occurrence. And right. we, we I don't a, even know if it's a matter of societal maturity, though. Are we ever going to get to a point where we're going to be comfortable with all these AR-15s floating around or all these guns that people shouldn't be having? I mean, I really do think there should be an effort to take guns away from people who should not be having them. Sure. Uh, but Mental I think illness, like I said, is a big part of this conversation, and, and that means it's not all about controlling or regulating the guns. It's about uh, access to mental health services and things like that as well. I think we need to – maybe this goes to your point about maturity. We need to improve ourselves as a society, society when it comes to the way we treat mental health. That's absolutely true, right? But I sure. still think that there is a gun safety component to this, and it's not going to get better if we don't address it. Right, and and I think – what we should do, you know, my suggestion would be 
let's let's get the semi-automatics off the market first. Um, like I said, I no one's that. no one's saying let's let's repeal the, the constitutional amendment. Let's get rid of all the guns. I mean, guns um, are just part of the fabric of our country, and people from overseas they don't they don't get it. I've talked with people from England. They just don't they just don't get it. Um, but you know, so somebody else make a comment saying how come you guys can't get it together in the u.s in england we have it in australia we have it just pass common sense gun legislation <laughs> you know, what's, what's, right. what's the hold up come on right. do it what's it's, it going to take before you get serious about it right well it's you know guns and and the united states go back there's history of it i mean it's how it's how the the west was won it's how the land was right it's um, romanticized it's how we survived country. you know and so i and i get it i completely get it but um, so we're not talking about let's take we're not talking about taking away handguns or personal self defense guns. Let's right, and there's the hunting, automatic. and you can disagree with hunting. Some people don't think people should hunt, but that's a separate issue from what we're talking about right. here. Right, we're talking about ensuring that people don't kill each other with guns, and and you really do have to talk about making sure that they don't get into the wrong hands. Right, and so I said let's get rid of the automatics. Um, we do have a pretty rigorous process for gun licensing. Um, but at the Which same, varies by state. If it, yeah, it varies by state. But there's still some. There's still a process in place. Um, although I think it was the, the I think Trump recently repealed um, something that the Obama administration put in place that um, tried to keep guns out of the hands of mentally mentally ill folks. Um, I don't have the exact thing on that, but something. Well, I let's read. talk about. This, right? We talked about licensing and how that varies by state. And then you get into, well, to what extent is it a state issue? To what extent is this a federal issue? You know, Congress, the, the federal government, had originally banned the automatic, semi automatic weapons. Um, right. So there is a level of federal oversight here. And the source of that is the Commerce Clause, meaning Congress, by the Constitution, is empowered to regulate the flow of interstate. Commerce, in other words, commerce, commercial activity that affects more than one state. And this squarely falls into that because guns are readily transported across state lines. And in fact, the data show that that's exactly how it's done. When you have states with stricter laws, like New York, for example, the guns are being obtained from places where it's easier to get them and then driven in. And right. so that's why the federal government does have legitimate authority to regulate this. But the states and municipalities should also do more where appropriate uh, within their own boundaries. And I've called on what's called a state of origin bill. It's, that's what I'm calling it, because we know that in New York City, 90 percent, this is what the, the last uh, study uh, showed, 90 mm-hmm. percent of guns that were used in crimes in New York City came from out of state. And there's a breakdown as to which states they came from, Virginia and Florida, I believe, were the top two. And you know that those states have easier laws, it's easier to get them there. So what I'm proposing is every time that there's a crime, and again, this can be done at the city level, at the state level, each, each local government should do this. There should be a database where people who are from that area or anybody, but people can go online and look at all the crimes that committed within that jurisdiction. And it doesn't have to have a whole lot of personal details. You know, whatever it is that you think needs to be retracted can be retracted. But the point is you should be able to see where the gun came from that was used in that crime, if the gun was traced, and we know where it came from, because that would do a lot to dispel the myth. 
you know, people will compare it to drugs, and I'll say, oh, yeah, well, the war on drugs, that really worked, right? Because people don't, people are not realizing that drugs you can make, like you can grow your own drugs, and you, you, nobody's making their own gun in their backyard or, or their basement, right? right. Uh, people are getting guns uh, from legitimate sources originally. I mean, they end up on the streets, but, but follow that gun back, trace it back to where it originally came from, and you'll see that, they're coming from places where it's easy, where the laws are lax, that they have weak gun laws. And so that shows you that the laws really do matter. And if you get serious about your gun laws, then that will have an impact on the number of available guns that are on the streets and available to be used in crimes. Well, I think you know, people we, are not making that connection. I think if we already know that, I, I'm not sure that, you know, no, people we don't need know to that. have a, a database. But, I mean, like... We do because people don't know. People think that only criminals, uh, you know, only law-abiding citizens are affected by gun laws. And if you have any kind of gun regulation, then you're only empowering the criminals because the criminals are going to get them anyway on the street. But they're not asking the follow-up question, which is where did they come from? How did it get on the street? Which state did it come from? People are not making that connection. And if you have a database, it personalizes the information where it's not just like a stat you're throwing at people. It's my neighbor was just killed last week, you know, and, and I brought this subject up because in Far Rockaway, we just had another shooting. And this is obviously before the school shooting. So this was a conversation we were having locally even before yesterday. Um, if someone you know and loved was killed and you can go and see that gun came from Virginia or Florida or North Carolina or Pennsylvania or wherever, that really drives the point home that they're not getting these guns from New York because New York actually has strong legislation and regulation, and that matters. That's, this is what it's about. It's about dispelling the myth, the fabrication, the propaganda that the laws don't matter and the laws are only going to help the criminal. That's simply not true. we got to get past that as a society. Uh, how, does that, how does that help stop it from happening, though? I mean, if the gun is already out there, it doesn't matter where it came from, that, that person who's got it— This helps change the public the perception. Because the, one of the reasons why it's, it's so difficult to pass these regulations is because the public has been duped by special interests into believing that gun control, gun safety regulation, whatever you want to call it, is not the answer. It won't help. It'll only help the criminal. And that's why they keep electing people who hold those views into office, because the public has been successfully tricked into believing that gun regulation gets us nowhere. It's only going to help the criminal. And so we need to take incremental steps to educate people and show people the truth. Be transparent. This adds another layer of transparency to this, which I think is very important. We're not getting that. We're, this is why we're getting uh, propaganda and people are believing what they're told, because they're not seeing the truth. They're not seeing the facts. I want to show people the facts. Hmm. Yeah, and here's here's another thing that was uh, extra sad about 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 this shooting that um, I don't recall with any of the other shootings. Um, but, you know, now we're in this this age, we've been in it for a while, of, of social media. When you've got Facebook Live, you've got Snapchat, you've got, uh, you know, sto- stories on uh, Instagram. And after this shooting popped up, like there's a lot of videos up on YouTube of teenagers that were in the school while the shooting's taking place with their with their Snapchat stuff running, and so you could hear right. the gunshots going off. You could hear the the kids being terrified, um, and so like you know, you would think that actually being able to witness those moments would would wake up some people. 
that that we need you to would do think something. That. You would think that it reminds me of showing images of Vietnam as a way to end the war. Yeah, you would think that would that would do something, but it just doesn't seem to be to be helping. Well, maybe it will. And like I said, sometimes these things happen incrementally. You know, my idea about the database, no, it's not going to solve all the problems overnight, but it's a start. And the reason why I think it works is because it can be done in New York City, for example, where we're already tough on guns. And so it should not be so hard. There should be a layup in a New York City council. This should be maybe a little more difficult in a state. But again, in New York State, we've got tougher gun laws. So in areas where we already have strict laws, it should be easier to get this done than an area where they're so pro-gun that they can't see anything. So again, let's shine a light. It's, you know, it's, we, we already are serious about this. Let's just add another layer of transparency to it and show that places who aren't serious need to get serious. Mm, right. Um, just to, going back to, to what I said about um, the Trump administration, um, and the, the, the gun law, um, I looked it up. It's, uh, they repealed a rule that um, required the Social Security Administration to submit the names of uh, certain mentally disabled uh, beneficiaries to federal agencies that conduct background checks for gun uh, ownership. And so they repealed that. And that's another thing. And so this is something Obama put in place, and this was to help prevent mentally ill people from purchasing a gun. Um, right. And so we this so, was repealed. Right. We should have, right, and, and that's the bad thing. We should have universal background checks, too, and it shouldn't be uh, only when you buy, go to a store, any sale of a firearm, private included, gun right. show included, right? There should be no gun show loophole where you can just buy guns without a background check at a gun show. Right, and and, I, and I'll say it again. It's like, I, you know, perhaps we didn't have these things before, but apparently at this point in time, our society is not mature enough to... On, you know, on a wide scale to deal with guns without these things happening every couple of weeks. Do you think our society will ever be mature enough, though? Do you think there'll be a point where we can say, okay, now let's get rid of all the regulation and let whoever wants a gun have one? Well, I think, I think we had before. These, these massive gun shootings just seemed to keep growing and growing, but they weren't happening when I was in school. Um, and, like, a friend of mine, his, his daughter, his daughter's in high school, and she she came home and she showed him a video of someone's Snapchat who was in the school at the time of the shooting. And her question to her father was, um, you know, I don't understand why why can't all schools have metal detectors? And so I look at that as it's very hmm. sad because that is a sad thought. When I went to school, we didn't have metal detectors in our school. And none of the schools I went to, because we didn't need metal detectors. No one was shooting up schools or taking guns in the schools. Ask your boy Mikey D about that. They did have them at Springfield. Right. In certain, in certain you know, tougher neighborhoods or whatever. But I think uh, as a whole. Um, Is that know, the solution, though? Do we really want to have metal detectors in every school? And that's Doesn't what I'm that saying. Just always terrorize us. That gives us that imagery that something disastrous is about to go down here. I mean, and is that, that the yeah? Is that the mentality we want to put our kids in? Is that the state of mind and, and state of emotion we want to instill in them? And that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, that. That's sad. That the mentality of the younger gen of at least her was that um, you know, oh, why can't we get metal detectors? Like. I wouldn't have wanted metal detectors in my school, but I mean, it's obvious. Right. 
and some places they're very But even necessary. now, it's not even like, right, it's, I don't think that girl's like, oh, I can't wait, like, it would be awesome if we had them, but she's just scared, and she thinks they're necessary. Right, and um, so I, I say that to say that, you know, to, in answer to your question, there was a time we were when we were mature enough as a society to deal with having guns um, because, you know, when I went to school and before that, there weren't these mass school shootings. So, you know, people were responsible gun owners um, or they weren't but, uh, crazy folks out there doing this stuff. Maybe the school shootings weren't common, but what about murder or, or gun violence in general? How long have, has that plagued us as a society? Um, I, I wouldn't know statistic-wise on, on any of that. Um, I just just know st- as far as school violence, gun violence in schools, mass shootings in schools, I mean, that really didn't start popping up, you know, until later. I think the most notable case, first case with, that people could recognize was probably Columbine. That was certainly the, the big one. That the big one, yeah. Put it in everyone's mind, yeah, and there was the documentary about it and everything. Now, yeah. somebody mentioned doing other things to protect our schools. Of course, the NRA wants to put uh, g- more guns in the schools. They want the teachers to be armed and all that, which I don't agree no, with at all. No, good, no, good God, no. Somebody mentioned trying to find ways to make our schools safer, the actual buildings safer, like you know, gun-proofing the schools, if you will, making it easier for students to lock themselves in a room or for the rooms to be fortified, you know, bulletproof walls or windows that are easier to climb out of, you know, things of that nature. And I think, I think that's, I think it's idiocy because it's like, if we're going to all of these extra steps to, to turn these schools into fortresses or into high security locations, like, I think we need to just go ahead and say, look, you know, these guns, are the point. The, you need to get rid of these, you know, these guns. Um, and again, I agree, guns don't kill people, but you know, we're, we're not responsible enough at this point. So and then you have people who will look at when a killing happens via a method that's not a gun, like let's say a car, somebody rams right. into a crowd with a car, and they'll say, oh, well, and now they're going to start banning the cars? And I don't know if they're just being obtuse intentionally or they're just missing the point. I think it's also that it's it's the the hyper partisanship that's happening out there. Like any any one op- opposing side um, says something against something that even if it's something you don't even strongly believe in, it's right. something that's on your side, and you have to like come right. back. It's at in the it. book. It's the canon of your party. Or your, you have to yeah. come back as hard as possible. Um, um, the rap battle society. Yeah, and so I think that's a, that's a problem. And there was also, um, there's an expert, a, 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 a psychologist, who um, has been consulted before on cases like you know gun shootings, and asked what you know what could be done from the psychological level. And he's he's named several things, and he says it every time, is that you know um, some of the things we have to do is stop spreading the the killer's name all over the media over and over again um you know stop just want to be infamous right stop exalting the person um stop making them look like you know uh, someone famous um and there's a couple of things that he listed he said something about don't start your your news story with sirens um don't (laughs) don't repeat every detail like um 
it's some breaking news, you know, because then it makes the story even bigger than it is. So people aspire to be in that spotlight. That's sick that people are, are they, you know, just that desperate to be famous. They'll do anything. Well, I think it's I think in some of these cases, it's not really desperate to be famous. They're more they're more Attention shunned. Craved. They're more shunned and they're more, you know, um uh maybe maybe it's seeking attention um want revenge they want to you know right but the means that back they go about people. it i mean this, this is a thought that gets in their head like ah they'll take notice of me now so i mean right. ultimately that is what they're doing they're they're right. taking a drastic stand to try to make themselves famous right. to, get, to get their name in, in the headlines and this this guy who who shot up the school in florida he was he was kicked out of the school and you know he came back to you know to shoot up the place. Um, so. Now, on the subject of gun safety measures, there's also an idea for what's called smart guns that use biometrics and things like that to yeah. uh, ensure they only work if they're in the hands of their owner. Right. Um, you know, I don't know how successful this technology is. I don't know if there's concern that, it, <laughs> that if you are the owner, you won't be able to use it. Like it'll, it'll somehow jam up on you. Uh, but you would think it would be pretty secure, given the fact that uh, you know it works pretty well with our phones. So I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, you know, I I don't I don't know. I'm not really I'm not really into it. And I'm pretty sure that um, I I've read an article about it, and it was easily tricked. That smart gun. Um, was I it? think it was. Um, yeah, Wired had an article about it, and just someone took just a couple of uh, a couple of magnets and was able to fool the the smart gun. And you know, well, why can't they team up with Apple or Android? I mean, I'd like to think that my phone is not too easily tricked. Uh, sure it knows it who I am. <laughs> and who you are is Mike Scala. We forgot to introduce Who I am ourselves. Is Mike Scala. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and I'm yeah, Jaylon Carter. <laughs> halfway through the show, we do the introduction. <laughs> yeah, halfway through the show. But you know, it's 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 a big story. It's a, it's a big issue, it and is. it shouldn't be. But you know, here we are again for the 18th time in six weeks of the new year. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's it's like how many times do you run your head up against a wall? And, yeah, and look, and, I, and I've written an article about this uh, in the Wave, local Rockaway newspaper. Shout out to the Wave. Back, um, it wasn't even Col- Columbine; it was Sandy Hook, Connecticut, back in uh, 2012, I guess. Hmm. And it's the same article. I mean, you know, nothing changes every time we have a shooting like this. I can just share the same articles, the same facts, the same data. You know what I mean? Like it's the same arguments. It's nothing is changing. Nothing is being done. We're not moving the ball forward in any way here. No. And I think what people what we need to do, like, you know, this is this is something that rests on the feet of the politicians, uh, because ultimately they have to make the moves on on changing these laws. And so the people need to. To put their foot on, you know, to to put pressure on them to stay on on these politicians to make. And let's be honest. That starts oftentimes with voting the right people into office because sure. some people are just so entrenched and, you know, 
the special interests control them so much or the parties or you know whatever forces are at play that you're not going to convince them to change their mind on a vote or to to push something that you want to push you, you have to many times replace them and, and start electing people who do align with you ideologically right right um and so yeah like you said entrenched i think it was uh, what's her name um a New York politician, Kirsten, Kirsten Gillibrand. Gillibrand. She just came out this week and um, she pledged not to Running take any president. money from corporate PACs. Yeah, she's doing all she can to uh, get her presidential campaign going. Of course, she was capitalizing on the Me Too movement. Some people thought she was exploiting that, but that's a different discussion. She, she's certainly doing what she can to get herself out there. Well, I think it's, it's a good, it's, you know, more... More politicians should step away from corporate PAC money. I mean, that'll help get some of that yeah, influence. Yeah, and out. I, I agree. But you know, the, the game is just—it's it's so difficult because uh, it's so controlled by money. You need a lot of money to be competitive, especially at a high level. If you're running for president, right. you're kidding me. Yeah. So that's like a luxury that you have to afford. I mean, you know, right. it's easy to say that if you can, if you can be competitive without it, if you've got the money from other sources. But if you don't. Good luck. You know, it's 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 very difficult. It, ideally, nobody should be taking that money. But you know, right. Well, something like that would have to to to, to level the playing field. Something like that would have to be handled by law, so that um, you know these corporations couldn't um, contribute. Um, because again, yeah, if 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 again, only a couple back of to the Supreme Court. Yeah, if only a couple of um, politicians didn't take PAC money, but they're you know. Their opposition was taking the PAC money and had more money to spend, then it's going to come down to you know, yeah, you know, who's got the bigger pockets, right? But then there's also the fact that the system has been set up, and this goes back to Citizens United right. and the Supreme Court ruling, where right, uh, where uh, a corporation or anybody can spend as much money as they want independently, quote unquote, to right. influence the result of an election because they consider that free speech. They consider money to be a form of speech. Right. And so, you know, that's another thing. You can say, I'm not taking any PAC money. I'm not taking money from any corporations. At the same time, you're full aware that a corporation or a PAC is spending millions of dollars on your behalf. You're just not coordinating with them. So you're not taking the money. It's not going into your account. But you know what the game that's being played here. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that definitely need to be dealt with, need to be changed. Um a lot of it comes down to politics. It's crazy, crazy, crazy things, man. Yeah, man. So, you know, there's a um, new movie coming out, Black Panther. You, and I'm sure right. you've seen seen stuff. Also, a source of controversy. Yes, I spent I spent a little while last night um, arguing on on Twitter with. Um, some members of the uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, and it's. I think it was, this was also another case of uh, what we what I cited earlier, where it's like you know things are so polarized that if even just a minor thing is brought up, like everyone has to take this hard stance. Um, and I found myself. I, I found myself kind of in in opposition to both sides of the argument so 
io9 this this site io9 wrote an someone wrote an article saying um of this new black panther movie that that marvel misses another opportunity for um to show res representation for lgbtq in the movie black panther and so this stems from so black panther stems around the superhero black panther um he's the king of this nation called wakanda which in the marvel comics universe is the most advanced nation on the planet but no one knows about it they keep it secret um and so he's the king and his guards his personal guards do their citizens have guns or what are their guns no i don't i don't think so but his personal guard is a a group of women that are really you know they they kick a lot of butt so in the comic book the source material the head of the guard is in a lesbian relationship with one of the other guards and so it's not depicted in the movie. Uh, so this article was saying that this should have been depicted in a movie. However, the point I made was, and other people have made, is that the movie is not about them. They're not even the stars of the movie. This movie is about Black Panther. So, you know, it doesn't make sense in the story to take a side for someone's relationship who's not even a main character. Or who's not even, you know, it's not even part of the story. It doesn't even talk about the relationship of the main character. Right. Um, and so I had I had people um, from the LGBTQ community that were, it was a couple of ladies, and I'm, I'm not going to paint the whole group. There was a couple of ladies that were coming at me saying that, you know, um, you know, they could have put a scene in there or they could have did that, done this. Um, it just trying right. to, why are they trying to hide this and, well, you know, so. I guess my question is, how upset were people that they didn't? Was it just a sidebar or was it like well, know, an emotional thing where they were very mad at Marvel for not doing it? Well, it's it was um, it seems like it's this writer that wrote this article and this kind of stirred up some things. And, you know, people started discussing it on on Twitter. Um, and so, you know. Like I said, I tried to make that point that it wasn't about them. It's, you know, they're not the main characters. And so eventually, uh, you know, the the argument, the thing went back and forth. The girl tried to say, well, it showed, you know, one of the other movies showed these two characters kissing. They're heterosexual. Um, but they weren't, it wasn't a relationship kiss. You know, they were spies and they were hiding out. And it's done in, it's done in a lot of movies. Like, oh, quick, kiss me so we're not seen. Right. And it wasn't any kind of romantic relationship. It was that type of thing. And that was a, one of the points someone tried to show at me. And I was like, did you not watch the movie? And but I that was this, still a, a method to get some kind of sexuality or romance, even if it wasn't a relationship, into the movie. It was like a tactic that they used to show people kissing. Well, no, but it was um, there, you know, they weren't dating. They weren't even trying to date. They weren't. No, I, even, I understand you know, that. And I so, get that, but still, it's like a checklist that sometimes you have when you make a movie, right? Like, we, oh, we got to get some kind of love or romantic scene in here to cover all the bases, and I think that's sometimes a sneaky way to get that in. And these were the main characters, so I think that's a, a, it's a little right. bit different. Now, right. so I get I get that, and and, and you know the the art the the arguments started going anywhere else. I got an ad hominem attack aimed at me, so I know you know you know you're 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 obviously not comfortable in your argument if that's where you're going at this point um, well, and then, i mean because my, my thing is this i can understand if you're an advocate for that cause you would make the point like this is a mainstream release 
we're excited about it. It's you know it stars a minority character in his own right. Uh, this is good. This is an opportunity, and I don't think it's a bad thing if you're an advocate for that cause to say this was a missed opportunity. Maybe it was, but you know my question again is how upset were they about it? Like I don't think that's a reason to, to be mad, but um, you know if you want to draw attention to the fact that hey guys you, you could have done this, that's fine. Yeah, I I, I kind of disagree. Like I don't think it was I don't think it was necessary at this point. And well, I don't think it's necessary either, but I'm saying I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it could have been done. It's a missed opportunity that they had. Uh, but it's the thing is, this is a platform that they had, right? So it is a they, platform, you know, and, and they had the opportunity. It was like a layup. It was easy for them to do, and they didn't. They chose not to do it. But there was, I don't know if it's that they chose not to do it. It's like, but it it would have made no sense to the story, you know, for them to choose not to do it would be like, oh, well, she's gay, so we're not, we're going to purposely not show her kissing it's like her kissing her girlfriend or whatever isn't relevant to the story so it probably wasn't even thought up so failure I, to act is an action though i'm saying they had the opportunity I, and they didn't do it i don't think it i don't think that applies in this situation and here's the other thing though when so the, one of the ladies was saying like oh you you know you want to deny me you know who i am and I'm like I, I didn't say any of that um, right. And then, well, that's people bringing their own personal issues into it. Um, and, and, and again, and, and I could understand that also if you're from a population that feels this way and it's, you know, you, you're constantly seeing it in the media. It's like that, uh, you know, uh, confirmation bias almost. And it gets to the point where everything looks like that, even if that might not be the intent. Right. And, and then you start questioning uh, beyond the intent and say, well, maybe their intent was good, but should that end the discussion? Maybe they should make more of an affirmative uh, effort uh, to be more inclusive or, you know, to, to be mindful and sensitive of these things, even if you're not trying to discriminate. Well, I think it's more like being able to um, make it explicit that the character character is gay just for the sole reason of including a gay character instead of making it for a better reason. Just like I, you know, there was some backlash ads um, at Marvel when they tried to, they, they've changed like all of their main characters in the comic books like uh, Thor went to Thor became a woman, uh, Iron Man became a woman, Spider Man oh, right. is like black and Puerto Rican, and right. um, and so what happened was like their comic sales have gone down, and so regard I don't know if that's the reason, but Marvel said, oh, we'll see. One of the guys at Marvel said, oh, we'll see. We tried this diversity thing, and look what happened. But what they did was they just they just tried to shoehorn it in just for the sake of shoehorning it in. Mm-hmm. just for the sake of inclusion when there was no real reason for it. Okay, but in the Black Panther story, you said that the character was gay in the comic, right? Right. Why do they include a gay character in that comic? I mean, was there an element of let's try to be more inclusive and showcase homosexuality in a positive light? Um, well, that I don't know why they put it in the comic. Um, I do know that right. she is a – she's not – the main focus of the of the story, right? Um, and but I'm you're saying, talking about they put a gay character in the comic um, as an opportunity to showcase uh, homosexuality. I can see somebody being a little disappointed that that also wasn't showcased in the movie. Well, two points on that. Like one, like again, she's not the main character of the story. Um, right. And two, that um, no, I wasn't going to go with the two. The, the second point of that. Um, yeah, she's not the main character of the story. And second, 
Um, it's not even the exact same character. The names are different. So it's, it could be two different characters. Right. People are kind of reading so into it's not it. that important. It's not that central to the story. It's not that serious. It's children, not. Basically. Right. Um, but here's here's where I found myself on the other side. So I'm going back and forth with them. And I'm I'm debating that point that, you know, this story is not about them. It's not about anyone's relationship. It, you know, that doesn't need to be in it. So then a couple of people, you know, it's, it's Twitter. It's an open conversation. You know, I get a, I saw a couple of uh, comments pop up saying, "Oh yeah, you know, don't don't get mad at people for the lifestyle you chose." I'm like, "Whoa, hold up! Look, I'm not on that bandwagon." <laughs> if right, you think right. I'm, and, t- and, and that goes back to everything being so hyper partisan. It's like if you disagree with uh, people uh, on one side, you automatically swept into the other t- team, and now it's like now you got to be hyper uh, anti-gay. It's like how that happened. Right. And so, like, I had to, I had to post, and I was like, "Whoa, look! If you're agreeing with my position because you think I'm taking some sort of anti-LGBTQ stance, then you don't have an ally in that conversation. Like, no, I think, I think you're being stupid there. Like, I'm, I'm not on that page, right? You know. But see, now this is very fascinating because this happens all the time, and what it does is it makes people afraid to dissent in a nuanced way. It makes everyone want to toe the line because right. no one is going to want to disagree with these folks you have this dispute with uh, because they don't want to be lumped into that category you were lumped into. You, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And it's in the First Amendment, they call this uh, the chilling effect where people are afraid to speak, uh, you know, if, if you have mm-hmm. a potential government uh, regulation. But this is obviously beyond government now. We're talking about society doing this. Uh, they're, ch- right. they're chilling our speech. Well, we don't want to say something because we don't want to be painted a certain way. Right. You know, and it's like, yeah, I'm not coming from a point of being anti, anti-homosexual, anti, you know, LGBTQ. And we all do this, by the way. It's really sad that we do it. But like, I guarantee you, we can predict that the people who said that to you, uh, you know, this is a lifestyle people chose. Uh, we would predict that they were conservatives. They voted Republican. They voted Trump. Like we have them all down to a T without knowing anything else about them. And then that might not oh, even no, be the they case. definitely were. <laughs> they definitely were. They definitely yeah. were, but yeah. Did no, you, no, did you follow I, I up on that? Or? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, statistically, um, were... it's probably true that you know more likely than that they would be. But I'm saying we automatically will assume that everybody is like that. I mean, that's happened to me before too. Where I would, I think it was on a was it Jay Smooth? He sometimes he posts up political things, and if I disagree uh, with like a, like one nuanced point, you will get like an army of people saying I'm a conservative Republican. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you know there are more than two sides to the story there there's you know there's nuance to things there's more information than just what you know one left or right to it you know and it's like um one of the one of the comments they said this on the other side was like um you know the point is you're pushing an agenda not you know you're pushing an agenda and uh people like you only care about your agenda and you're the reason why the the left has ruined so much art I'm like, look, man, this is not... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not... Who said this to you? This is one of the LGBTQ people or... No, no, no. This is oh. one of the other side who are obviously are anti-LGBT. Yeah. And so I had to, you know, I had to so denounce those people. So they're saying that you're the problem? No, no, no. They were... Oh, okay. They were jumping in on the conversation, I guess, thinking they're taking the same side, coming from the same point that I'm coming from. And there's, but they're saying that, you know, this this gay agenda is ruining is ruining art, um, and like you know, I'm not coming from the point of saying that you know 
gay agendas ruining art. I'm saying that it doesn't make sense in the story. That's that period. Like, I don't have a problem with, yeah, gay, no, you know. Oh, my goodness. This is so great. This is a microcosm of American politics. And there's just no room exactly. for you in here. There's no room. Get out. Get out. Let the people on one side scream at the people on the other side. You you are lost in this mix, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so like I had to, I had to make a post saying like, like the guy who's trying to like raise his hand, guys, I've got a point too, and they're completely ignoring you. They're just screaming over each, over you and over each other. It's great. Yeah, and so like I had to, I had to let that go. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not with you, dude. Like if that's your anti-gay stance, I'm not with that. I'm just not interested. I just don't think this story thing is not, you know, it's completely different. It's not even the same. So yeah, that's just weird. But you're right. I think that's that's what's happening a lot in in our you know national politics is playing out on a national stage, you know, in media and and everything. So, right? No, it's it's a difficult thing to deal with because you do want to be able to have dissent, even even with your own people, quote unquote, right? Even even in your, amongst your own ranks and people who agree with you on most things. Uh, that's how you kind of mold and shape policy and you come to a consensus and you get places, right? It's, it can't always be a shouting match and let's, let's see who can run furthest to their corner. That's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just that people need to get back to, to discussion instead of hard lines that, you know, that I, guess, I guess it's sensitivity. I guess it's, you know, I don't know what, what you would say. I mean, Everyone's just right. People are very defensive. That they're, right. That they're quick to yeah. go on the attack and be aggressive about like it's, you know. And and again, as an attorney, I'm always thinking about nuance and how to look at things from the other side. You know, anticipate what the other argument is going to be. That's the other thing too. If you're so caught in an echo chamber, you don't even know what the other side is saying. So you've got no way of even having a conversation with them. It's just you right. know, it's my world is different from your world, and let's just you know, worlds are going to collide, and one of them is going to win, and one of them is it's, it's, it's pure insanity. Um, you, yeah. you have to be able to think about what the other person is thinking and is going to say, and how to address their arguments, understand them, internalize them play devil's advocate, challenge your own thoughts. You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to have this nuance and intelligent discussion. And we, we're just not able to do it right now. Right. And and we've had this conversation before, um, especially when talking about uh, politics and, and, you know, working basically, quote unquote, working across the aisle. Like, you know, a lot of times people agree on certain topics. It's just they talk about it differently and that screws up the whole communication. Right. You know, so, you know, people have to, you know, dial it back a little bit. You know, it's not about that. That's back and forth. It's about that. It's about understanding. It's about listening as as well. Instead of just people are instead of listening, they're just waiting to talk again. Right, so now, is this you know, a product of social media? I'm just trying to figure out how we got here oh how'd we get here that's that's a big that's a big question i think i i would trace it i trace it back i trace everything the whole climate and everything back to 9-11 i agree with that i always talk about that myself and i trace it back to what happened after 9-11 to when it became okay to hate a certain type of people, it became okay, you know, um, 
people were like, you know, these are Muslims instead of, okay, these were the terrorists that did this. No, no, no. Let's hate Muslims. And it became okay. And so once that hate comes in. A lot of the country didn't even bat an eye when President Bush attacked the wrong country. Like as long as it was a Muslim country, despite the fact that none of the hijackers were from Iraq, they didn't care. They were just so bloodthirsty for revenge. Any Middle Eastern country will do. And so, you know, when you when you can make it okay to hate someone, um, you know, that opens the door for for everything else. You've got all of the people that are kind of undercover because for the last several decades, you know, we've been dealing with trying to um, eradicate that type of discrimination and racism and and those types of um, ideologies. Right. Um that doesn't mean that it went away. It just meant that it wasn't okay to be in the public. And, you know. Right, but it was but more contained. It w- and Right. Right, the discourse certainly was different. I mean, I grew up in the 90s, and I grew up in South Queens. And, you know, Queens is always talked about as being the most diverse county in the country. But the fact is it is very segregated. And, you know, it, it certainly struggles with uh, racism in its own right. But in the 90s, I was never taught to hate. I was always taught to love everybody and to get along with everybody. And that seemed like the culture, that seemed par for the course for our society at the time. And that's what I was, again, maybe maybe I have a different experience in a different part of the country or, or state or right. whatever. But where I was, tolerance and loving and, and being respectful and kind to everybody, not discriminating. Like These were all things that we were taught as children and we all grew up that way. And that seemed to have changed drastically after 9-11, where it became okay to single out certain groups. That was never okay right. when I was a kid. Right. It, it, it's, yeah, not not in the public eye, no. Um, right. And not to be normalized. And then, of course, that, you know, that evolved, and now, you know, other groups got, into it, got back into it. So, like, oh, yeah, so we right. can hate this group? Well, the people who, who wanted to hate black people, well, they're back in right. the in And then you now. had the unfortunate like, oh, okay circumstance of uh, Obama's middle name, uh, being Hussein and his first name, I guess, being Barack, and it became a, and, a Muslim hating thing, and then morphed into a black hating thing with him. Right, and and you know what, there were always the people around that that hated black people, the, those people there, but they just weren't allowed out of the shadows. Now they're right. back in. The but this became spotlight. a bridge to them. It's like the, the, the right. Muslim haters bridge to the to the black haters. Now it's like, hey, we can have this big yeah. hate party. And then the Mexican haters now they're coming out of the woodwork, and it's right. just. But also, you have to add all in. blown up the state of the economy. And I think when the economy, right. this also goes back to 9-11, but uh, you know, the, the sure. administration's response to 9-11, uh, putting two wars on a credit sure. card and not paying for them, the economy crashes. And that brings out the worst in people also. That brings out people's sure. fears and they want to scapegoat people and say, oh, well, it's the Mexicans taking all our jobs and you know that, that kind right. of stuff. This so, is why I'm hurting. Yes, right. Uh, so you know, all these things kind of uh, compound on top of each other, but I think you can trace it back to 9-11. Yeah, I, I I would definitely, um, and but we shouldn't I, discount you know, social media and technology. I mean, I, I mean, I oh, think, sure. and it's it's the sure. me 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 generation, the participation trophy, oh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with it also. And then you can definitely. talk about the quote unquote political correct culture, but I think that's kind of born in response to uh, the hatred that we were just talking about. But now it's like uh, it's set up where people are like we were saying, so defensive, so aggressive, so hostile. Uh, we have right. these two sides that are completely uh, in, in, you know, different worlds. Uh, right. So I would put that all together. Right. And, 
to 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 um, what you said about you know growing up and um, you know you weren't taught to hate. Um, you, you grew up in New York, and I I lived in every I lived in every region in the country. You know, I was I was born in the Midwest. I grew up in the South. I lived in California. I grew up, I was out in Hawaii. You know, um, and yeah, there there have been incidences. I've seen things. Um, you know racist things growing up i'd seen them before but in general and I, and it, it could also go back to your family but in general like you know i had friends of all backgrounds like we didn't think think about that um and right, my family so is, is quite diverse so you know i think that also plays a part into it you get some people who who have never seen or you know interacted with anyone outside of you know who they look like or people like them right or the same social economic background or what have you right and so you're going to have some issues with that as well so you know i thought that was you know it's 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 kind of it's 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 a it's a big issue no it truly people is to chill out. i always think about how to correct these things and, and that's really what scares me that we've gotten to a point where it seems so hard to undo and to get to a better place like I don't even know how to do it uh, right you know we could start talking about things like uh, diversity <laughs> training or exposing people to different kinds of people and, and you know that kind of thing but it's just when you get so polarized it's just it's just so difficult to undo that it's you know it's like right I don't know. It just feels like like the like the fabric of our country has just been torn apart, and you have like half of the matter on one side, half on the other side. How do you create that that shirt again? You know what I mean? It's like how do you do it? It just was ripped in half. <laughs> right. And a lot of comics are complaining about the state of the uh, society because they're like, it makes it hard to be a comedian if everybody's yes. so sensitive. Absolutely right. Uh, yes. Jerry Seinfeld complained that he yeah. couldn't do his jokes because even college campuses were too politically correct. Now, when Seinfeld, who's a pretty pretty uh you know innocuous tame, tame comedian if, if he can't even tell his jokes you know we have a problem right steve harvey and said he couldn't do a joke about drunk driving now you know people will say well maybe that's something you shouldn't joke about but this is this is relevant to what we're talking about that it's like any subject you bring up even if it's slightly darker or, or whatever you're going to deeply offend somebody to the point where you can't even really tell a joke anymore Especially if you're trying to Why be a little bit edgy or have some kind of social commentary, because oftentimes, you know, that's what's called black humor or dark humor. Um, oftentimes, you tell jokes uh, to try to call attention to certain ills, but you can't use that method anymore because people will just focus on you using that as a device instead of getting the point you know, of what you're trying to say. Yeah, hold up. Why has it got to be black humor, though? Yeah, I always thought that was kind Same. of funny, too, but it's, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, Dave Chappelle was was just recently um accused of this when his from one of his recent stand-up specials um that the lgbt community um, right had issue with the way he talked about caitlin jenner and um you know. right although that I'll, I'll say to be fair that was more social commentary against that movement than it was using that uh, to make a point about something else or to even be supportive of the movement. So that's a little bit more of a valid criticism, I think. Well, I think that there were several jokes. Um, I think I think one of them had to do with um, the joke where he was talking about Caitlyn Jenner might be posing nude in a magazine and uh, right. Chappelle said... Um, you know, everyone's thinking it. I'll just say it. 
yuck. Right, that's what I mean. But but you're right. But but that wasn't the end of it because you also made the racial commentary and you know what if it was uh and and also sexist, right? What if it was um a woman, you know, originally a woman, or what if it was um, a minority? If these, I think, like if it was a Mexican, they would say, "Shut up and go pick fruit" or something like that. Um, Right. That was so. So that's so. So that's not an attack on the trans movement. That's social commentary about racism and sexism. So that's again my point that you can't even use anything as a device because you know the people will single that out as opposed to really trying to hear what you what you're saying right and his and those specials are are littered with strong social commentary um and so yeah it, it right. is an issue well, we've had the it, same it, discussion it about hip-hop you know rap music or just music art i mean you know right i think yeah. by design it's not politically correct it's supposed to be provocative it's supposed to make you think it's supposed to make you a little uncomfortable perhaps at times but that's not right you know i don't think that's the reason to start running to twitter or social media and complaining about it let's really digest what's being said here and ask why is it making ourselves uncomfortable uh, russell simmons of all people had a good quote and he said when the ugly i'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase but he said when the ugly comes out whether it's song or any artistic medium why are we uncomfortable? Are we uncomfortable because it's being said or are we uncomfortable because it's part of our society? Right. And, you know, speaking of that, like um, you said, art's supposed to make people uncomfortable or make people think or whatever. Um, you know, recently um, the book, I guess, I guess it's regarded as a classic. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird has been banned in some school systems right. because it's making some people Because feel it's making children uncomfortable. And that, is something to think about in itself. I know people were focusing yes. on banning the book and like, oh my God, how can you ban this classic book? But why is it making the children uncomfortable? Because it didn't make us uncomfortable. So that's just indicative of a changing society and people maybe being too sensitive and and maybe being it taught. It's not, be. their, it's not their fault. It's their, they're being taught the wrong way. They're not being taught to think things through and again, to think about why certain things make us uncomfortable. Like it shouldn't be like, you know, people make fun of like the safe spaces, like, but, but, but it shouldn't be where we live in a bubble where nothing ever makes us uncomfortable. That, that's how you right. get change accomplished by making people uncomfortable, by poking the bear, if you will. You, you have to be this able to do true. that. This is true. Um, at the same time, I do get some of the, I do get some of it from the, um, To Kill a Mockingbird and some of these older books um, because there was a lot of, um, in that book, there's a lot of uh, uses of the N-word and the way right, it's used. Right, I get used. that. Like, and, like Mark Twain also is infamous for that. Right. And, like, I remember for me growing up, anytime slavery was talked about, like, I, it, I did feel like, okay, like the whole, like there's a microscope on me now, you know, because now we're talking about hmm. what's happened, what happened to the slaves. And, like, I'm in a school with, you know, most schools are, are primi- primarily white. Yeah, I was going to ask so, you, so you were one of the only black people in the school? Um, well, not in the school, but... Or in your class, maybe? Um, yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, you're in a country where it's like, what, 68, right. 60 Well, in New York, I didn't have that experience, and this is right. back to how we were raised, but, you know... Uh, we I was very, in the South. Yeah, right. We were very diverse, and in, in fact, uh, for much of my childhood, I was one of the only white kids or, or Italians or wh- whatever you want to say in the school where right. it was mostly black and Latino. Right. So, yeah, so, like, some things are, are understandable. Um, and then on the other side, I do sometimes think, like, when the comics are saying, like, you know, you know, we're too sensitive, 
Uh, we can't do these type of jokes anymore because people are sensitive. And I wonder if the sensitivity, and we don't have time really to get into it, but is this could the sensitivity be a good thing and where we're not joking about things that hurt people and that makes us a better society? Um, it's just this yeah, is an but, uncomfortable transition at this point. I know, point. But, but see, that's the, see, that's the the trick, right? It's like a magician joking about things that make people uncomfortable. But what is the joke really about? People will focus exclusively yeah. on that thing when they're missing the larger commentary here. And we want to talk right. about these books that use uh, language, and maybe they were written by racist people or certainly people from a different time, but that was more acceptable. And I guess right. it's, it's, we're moving, moving more towards that direction again now, as we mentioned. But um, if these things make us uncomfortable... Again, maybe they should. Maybe we should have this conversation and, read, and, 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 and even just for that sake, just to read it. Oh, wow. Look how crazy they were back in, in these days. Like, let's, you know what I mean? Right. Like, let's not for, yeah. forget that, that that it happened. How are we ever going to learn if we just wipe this out of our memory and, and just uh, walk around trying to feel good all the time? It's not I can get anywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah they say, uh, was that um, as far as history? If you don't study it, you're doomed to repeat it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And so. and, and uh, it seems like we are in, in some ways. So there you go. Yeah. And uh, wow, we, we've come up on the mark here. And, you know, we had a whole bunch of other stuff planned to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It was all Sometimes kinds of stuff. Sometimes it goes on the best podcast ever. Yeah. But I think, I think you know, a lot of things that were, you know, these are some important topics, especially um, considering what's going on this week. Right. Um, it's very necessary. So, well, subscribe on iTunes. On iTunes, yeah, do that. That's a good. That's a good thing. Go ahead, subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, share it with your people. Yes, comment. please do share. Please do comment. That's how we get out to more listeners. Talk to us. You know, say hey sometimes. Tell so, us what you yeah, agreed this... with or you disagreed with, and hopefully you won't lump us into one boat or another. But you can have a nuance. Yes, I think our listeners are. The intelligent types who can do that, but yeah, have a nuanced discussion. It gets on, emotional on sometimes. We get things. it. Yeah, and uh, so for those who don't know, there is a Facebook page for the best podcast ever. You can uh, leave some comments. Uh, I didn't even know there. that. What you set it up? Oh yeah, I, I did, but no, but but you have been uh, updating it, so I appreciate that. Yeah, so we you know get the new episodes up there. So people also go by to my out. page, uh, Mike G Scala on Facebook. Right, and they're, they're they're shared um, on Twitter. They're shared also on uh, my commentary site, indiepundit.com. Plug and uh, plug plug. Yeah, so I write articles on there sometimes about you know society, social commentary, and such. Um, so yeah, so it's it's accessible. It's out there. It's around. We yeah, need so if you're listening, you know this. So thank you for listening. Yeah, tell your friends. Yes. And again, at the close of the show, I am Mike Scala. And I am Jalon Carter. It's the best podcast ever. Thank you for tuning in. Catch you next time.